I would like to read this morning and share with you all from another New Testament book, and it's 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Let me read that for us. The Apostle John writes, Behold, what love has been lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. The reason the world doesn't know us is because it doesn't know him. Beloved, we are now the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall become. But we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. We hear the voice of God in the reading of these beautiful sacred words. Thanks be to God. We are in the season of Epiphany, and we like to use this season here at Peace of Christ to share about some epiphanies that we've had or that we are having that we think will be helpful for the community, our local community, the broader community. Uh, and I think a lot about the words in these verses these days, especially that middle part where it says, it does not yet appear what we shall become. We are living through incredible times, incredible times. Personally, I had the same feelings uh, on January 6th that I had as a freshman in college when I watched what was happening unfold on 9-11. So we are living, li living through these incredible times. And I happen to believe though that hard times are opportunities for growth. You can insert a cheesy quote here about rough seas and good sailors or heaps of fertilizer and beautiful flowers and all that's true, but let's get that kind of eye roll out of the way because I want you to really hear me for the next few minutes. We're living through these incredibly difficult times, these times in which it does not yet appear what we shall become. And I think this is true first as a society and as a nation. It truly does not appear what we shall become. And this is quickening all of our anxieties. Internationally, we are losing status and influence every single day. We are paying for 20 years of war making while all of our peers in the rest of the world were building infrastructure. That's an oversimplification, but there's a lot of truth to it. The rest of the world is moving forward without us. It's leaving us out of economic agreements and beginning to find ways around using our dollar-based system, which has previously held the international economy together for 50 years. All that's changing. Our place in the world is changing, and it doesn't yet appear what we shall become as a nation. Domestically, the civil rights movement is not complete. It's not complete, nor have we sufficiently taken responsibility for our genocidal and imperial roots and foundation. Until we do the work to understand, acknowledge, and make reparations for this past, how could we possibly think about our future? We will just continue to repeat our past. As William Faulkner said, the past is never dead. In fact, it's not even past. End quote. Maybe one day we'll find the character to undertake this reckoning. Until then, it truly does not appear what we shall become. Additionally, we're not a society that has shared access to its riches among the population. 
For example, the average net wealth per person in our society is $400,000. That's the average. But the median net wealth, that wealth that you have if you're actually in the middle, is $60,000. And almost every other developed nation beats us on this. This is because the top 1% of our society own more than the bottom 90% put together. This and so many other economic and justice disparities in our society, it will continue to fuel all the unrest. And what we shall become as a society and a nation will continue in a prolonged and tragic adolescence until we can move forward. I wish I could, I wish I could say, Let's look at the Christians. The Christians can help us navigate through this difficult time. They are the bearers of one of our most important wisdom traditions. But some of the loudest and the most prominent Christian voices have been not just Christians who are also patriots, but Christians who are first nationalists. It's been said that as religion has declined in America, Politics has become the new American religion, and I think this is true. For some time, we here at Peace of Christ and others have been talking about the dangers of Christian nationalism or, or what happens when you import Christian artifacts into a political religion, and that's what we have here. And to quote directly from the movement, Christians Against Christian Nationalism, go look them up. Uh, it's a fantastic organization. We support them as a community. Um, it's a movement that pastors and so many others support. But Christian nationalism, they write, seeks to merge Christian and American identities, distorting both the Christian faith and America's constitutional democracy. Christian nationalism demands Christianity be privileged by the state and implies that to be a good American, you have to be a Christian. This often overlaps with and provides cover for white supremacy and racial subjugation. We reject this damaging political ideology, end quote. Another name for this movement in our society is Christofascism, or political domination in the name of Jesus. Did you hear? What a crazy, odd combination of words to put together. Political domination in the name of of Jesus. But that, in many ways, is exactly what we saw on January 6th, the day of the U.S. Capitol insurrection. The whole world saw this toxic Christo-fascist ideology on full display and being used to violently intimidate political leaders. I've personally watched participants who gave interviews in which they described having these peak spiritual experiences while they were trespassing and looting and intimidating and trying to scare political leaders into doing what they want. We saw crosses and signs saying things like Jesus saves and God guns and guts. We heard loud public prayers in Jesus' name asking God to overturn our democracy. We saw pictures and depictions of white Jesus. We saw all these many references to the Christian scriptures and Bibles being held up. We saw a Christian flag paraded inside the Capitol. We heard Christian music being heard and sung in the midst of all of this. And distinctly missing was the Jesus of historical record, the Jesus of the Gospels. That was distinctly missing. Instead, 
We saw things like a so-called Jericho march by Christians that took place the day before as a prophetic reenactment of the Battle of Jericho, which, if you remember the story, it led to the wholesale slaughter of innocent men, women, and children, something we should never, ever, ever want to reenact. Elected officials and their colleagues and their family members hid and prayed to God while they could literally hear the Christian nationalists on the other sides of their doors calling out to Jesus to help them find these people who are hiding. All of this was the weaponization of Christian and biblical practices, artifacts, and symbols wielded for violence. I don't know that American Christianity can come back from, from this, from what it's become, how it's been portrayed, how it's been so keenly used by politicians and media for unchristian purposes. But I publicly stand before you today as a Christian pastor, and I denounce the use of these stories and symbols which are meant to give life, which are meant to teach us how to live well together, and instead they're being used for evil and violence. This was a religious crusade. This has been called a Christian insurrection, and if I wasn't already a Christian, I sure wouldn't think about becoming one after seeing all of that. What is to become of so-called American Christianity now that so many of us have mixed our patriotism and our faith as if they are one and the same? For years, we've painted American flags on crosses and crosses on our flags, not seeing that January 6th, 2021 was the logical and inevitable outcome. What now? Can the reputation of love your neighbor as yourself, can the reputation of God is love ever be recovered? It does not yet appear what we shall become but I'm not that hopeful for American Christianity in this form. But you know, these words, these words that I read for you just a moment ago from that book of 1 John, they were written by the Apostle John, and they were actually meant to be words of hope. They weren't written to a nation in perpetual schizophrenia because it refuses to take responsibility for its past. They weren't words written to a group of religious nationalists, they were words written to a local church, a local community. They were written to this local gathering of those who wanted to live the way of Jesus, and yet they were in deep pain and grief and doing some deep soul searching about who they were and how do we move forward amidst all the chaos of our world. And this letter was the Apostle John's pastoral response. And in it, he wrote famous words about love, stating that God is love. First principles right there. And he wrote about the necessity that Christians think a lot about how Jesus had an actual physical body. Because if they would realize that their leader had a real physical body that needed to be fed and clothed and housed and protected from mob violence and authoritarian leaders that want to crucify them, if they would realize Jesus had this real physical body that needed all these things, then that would set the trajectory for their ethics and their practice of faith. And so that was 
one of the things that John advocated for again and again in this book of First John. Go, go read the whole thing. And in the letter, he put in these words, these words that I've been asking us to look at this morning. Behold, what love has been lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. The reason the world doesn't know us and, and, and calls us crazy and calls us radicals uh, is because the world doesn't know him. Beloved, we are now the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall become. Can you hear the hope? Can you hear the mystery? Can you hear the mysticism in that? And then he writes, but we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him for we will finally see him as he is. These words, these beautiful words have been such an encouragement to me coming out of 2020 and already through the ungodly events of 2021. Like many of you, I have been personally attacked and maligned and called awful names because I refuse to be one of the Christian nationalists. And I refuse to be one of the ones that silently lets them co-opt the name of Jesus. And so it's drawn personal attacks to me and to my family and all this. But, you know, the reason the world doesn't know us is because it doesn't know him, Jesus, and his bold, radical way of love. So, of course, we face opposition when we condemn white supremacy and racism and sexism and homophobia and injustices and inequities like, for example, wildly different police responses to crowds, depending on demographic composition. The world doesn't know us. It doesn't know what to do with us because it doesn't know Jesus, the Jesus that we know, the Jesus that liberates us, the Jesus that calls us to join in that liberating work in the world. And I get excited when I think about our future Peace of Christ community and those of us, those partners who are like-spirited, like Larry, who's joining us today, like Sarah Parrish, wherever you are in the world who wants to join in this work that we are joining in Christ and doing, I get excited. It does not yet appear what we shall become, but I have incredible hope. I have hope because we will continue to distinguish who we are from the Christian nationalists who do not represent the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus. I have hope because we will absolutely stick with the work that we are called to do in Williamson County and beyond. I have hope because we are already living into the kinship ethos of these words, the family ethos, of these world words, we are already building family ties with one another and weaving our lives together. I have hope because we are doing this even though we have different thoughts about all of these things. We have different philosophies of life. There are Democrats, there are Republicans, there are uh, Libertarians, there are those who don't want to have anything to do with politics. In our midst, there are those who have different thoughts uh, about God and Jesus and the Bible and end times and speaking in tongues and healing and all the, it doesn't matter. We all, we all have different beliefs about all this stuff. And yet we come together under the umbrella of this calling to do the liberative work of Jesus and join him in doing this work. We know that as Jesus said, 
in God's house, there are many rooms and there is space prepared for each of us. And it gives me hope. I have hope because we refuse to let ourselves and one another stay stuck in life, stay stuck in harmful relationships, stay stuck in addictions, stay stuck in life patterns. We refuse to let one another do that. And we come alongside one another and help each other grow. I have hope because we are committed to spiritual, emotional, psychological, relational, physical growth. I have hope because we will continue to journey faithfully toward an unknown future together, knowing that our best days, our best stories, our best mistakes, our best successes, our best relationships, our best dance parties are still ahead of us. And this gives me so much hope. In other words, I have hope because as the verses say that we've been looking at this morning, when Christ appears, we will be like him. That's what it says. And I interpret that to mean to the extent I am seeing Jesus around me, I can be transformed into that image. It's this beautiful, holy uh, mimesis. We've talked about Rene Girard and the power of mimesis. And that is exactly what we are doing for one another to the extent I can see Jesus in your lives. I am being transformed. I am being transformed into that image. And so are you. And that's exactly what this community is doing for one another. And it gives me so much hope. It does not yet fully appear what we shall become. But I know it is exactly what this dark world needs. And with God's spirit and our love and commitment to one another and Jesus' mission, we will continue to move forward together toward that unknown, uncertain, but exciting future that God has for us. I'm excited to be in this journey with you all. Amen. Amen.